I'm Pig Don Luca, smoke you like my hookah Pump fake right, then I step back in illusion That's a boss move maneuver, billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban on the viewer, put you rookies on a skewer I stay shitting on you boys like I came up from the sewer Used to have a lot of dollars, now I got a lot fewer What you saying to me? I hope you save it for me I'm about to kill the game, and I put it in my testimony Hi, welcome to the Mainstream Mass Podcast. This is your host, Will. I'm joined here by my co-host, Jaren. What is up, guys? And today, we are going to be getting into the Mavericks 4-0 start. We have not seen you guys since the Mavericks last beat the Nets, but since then, they have improved to 4-0, obviously, with victories over the Memphis Grizzlies, 125-110, to uh, 110, and then uh, over the Chicago Bulls last night, 114-105. to 105. And on top of all that... Texas Rangers won yes, sir. a game five of the World Series. So, as we always like to say, it's a very eclectic scene yes. in Dallas right now. A very jovial, uh, even immaculate vibes. Perhaps we can say they're back since the Rangers won the World Series, even though Jalen Brunson departed us a couple years ago. I, I think that it warrants us, you know, being able to say that redacted word. Uh, but yes, uh, it, it was a great night in Dallas. And I know many of you guys may have not paid attention to the Mavericks game last night amidst the Rangers game. So, you know, if you obviously need to get a sort of feel for what or you know, what happened and uh, all the, you know, who, who overperformed and underperformed during the game, all that sort of stuff, who played even, uh, you know, make sure to stay tuned in during this podcast because we'll cover all of that as well as the Mavericks last game. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, really all we got um, in terms of the intro here today. Uh, very, very excited uh, about the Rangers win. I know that that is uh, feeding the hungry mouths of many DFW sports fans who have been in peril for a very long time. So um, we are, you know, we're carrying the vibes forth here on the uh, on the podcast as well. Absolutely. I think uh, finally it was like, it, it's a breakthrough for DFW sports. Uh, Skip Bayless, of all people, pretty much said another win will come or another championship rather will come. Uh, you know, once once one city breaks through, uh, it's only a matter of time. And I'm not taking any credence to that, but I'm just saying, um, what if? That's all I'm pretty much saying. But yeah, congratulations to the Rangers. Well deserved. Um, a fun season. I honestly, I, I'm not the biggest baseball fan. I, I don't know a whole lot about baseball. Uh, I got locked in this postseason. I will admit that. Um, but I do know the Rangers are very young, so I would not be surprised if they continue on and maybe possibly make this a dynasty. Um, you know, not saying anything, but maybe, uh, but yeah, you know, it, it definitely a very fun scene. Uh, it was nice to finally see, you know, any Dallas team just finally break through, win a championship. Uh, and yeah, I mean, of course the Mavericks won, so it made it that much better. The stars won as well. Uh, I think every night that the Rangers have played, they won't play anymore, of course, but every night that the Rangers did play, uh, I think every DFW sports team won whenever they were playing. So uh, as far as the postseason goes, so that, uh, I mean, I don't know if that's our good luck. We're going to go four and 78 from here on out. Uh, but yeah, you know, I, I think it's a very fun uh, time to be at least a DFW sports fan. No, hundred percent. And obviously we want to give all the flowers to the Rangers in the intro because, you know, we are a Mavericks podcast at the end of the day. It, you know, we wish we could just talk about what's hot, but um, the Mavericks um, had some pretty hot shooting last night. So that, at times, at times, uh, that will be the hot topic yeah. of discussion throughout most of the game. I mean, um, yeah, they 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 did shoot a lot of threes. They so did, I guess, yeah. um, but they did make twenty of them. So, um, certain players for sure, 
um, had one of their better performances of the season. So there's a lot to get into, obviously. But before we do any of that, here is an ad from our sponsor, Spotify for Podcasters. All right, Jaren. So getting into it here, I think sort of a sore topic of discussion uh, amidst the last two games uh, that we have not yet really talked about in the podcast uh, is the fact that Kyrie Irving has been out for the Mavericks with a left foot sprain, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, it seems to be a sort of day-to-day thing. Jason Kidd uh, did say the other day, I believe before the game versus the Bulls, that um, he will, you know, continue to be evaluated and go through with his treatment. Uh, It doesn't seem like a serious injury, just a little uh, minor, you know, know, sort of tick. But, it, you know, I think um, that foot soreness was the the sort of same thing that was keeping him out during preseason. So it obviously seems like a recurring uh, sort of nagging injury here. So hopefully that does get resolved. I'd rather them, you know, take a couple games and get him properly rested to completely squash it, you know, versus, you know, over um, exerting him at the beginning of the season. So as, as long as that's what's happening, I'm not personally too concerned about this, you know, unless, you know, it starts going weeks on end and he, you know, he's legitimately missing games and will obviously, you know, have some questions there. But, um, you know, as of right now, the Mavericks, you know, did not, have him the first two games uh, or the last two games obviously and the offense has still been able to produce at a, at a pretty obscenely high rate in both games um the playmaking and creation void that you know Kyrie is sort of left maybe necessarily hasn't been filled but you know guys have been making shots to an absolute premium and at the end of the day like you know that's gonna uh you know win you games especially um you know with the amount of space that the Mavericks were getting last night uh, with how much the Bulls were trapping. So, um, you know, we'll get into all of that. But, um, you know, starting off with that, that Grizzlies game since, you know, that happened the other day. Um, Jaron, what were your uh, main takeaways? Um, obviously, due to Valley Sports Southwest, I know you couldn't watch part of the game in the first half. But, um, you know, just, just from the first half and how, you know, that that matchup was – evolving the Grizzlies had you know a couple key guys out obviously John Moran Santi Aldama um and you know they were obviously heavy heavily relying on you know that group that they had on the court to get it done after an 0-3 start at the time and they did not want to fall to 0-4 uh but Dallas um you know still uh was able to you know take the upper hand um it was a pretty back and forth game uh to an extent throughout until uh really you know that that second half where the Mavericks just kind of ran away with it uh what did you take away from the game yeah I think um what you know one of the things I did take away and it kind of confirmed my takeaway from that game is that Derek Jones Jr uh is not just like sort of a a guy you can rely on off off ball cuts and a guy that's gonna you know drive off the dribble um you know he's a guy or attack off closeouts rather um I mean he's a he looks like a shooter, uh, at least through two games. I know that we're talking about the Memphis game here. Um, you know, I want to say, how many did he have in that game? Was it 25 or um, 22? Okay. Um, yeah, 22, which was like his only like seventh career 20-point game or sixth career, something like that. Uh, but he looked legit in that game. I think uh, there was a lot of Mavericks that did look legit. Derek Ladley was, of course, troubled with foul trouble. Uh, early in that game, I think he had like three in the first three minutes, honestly. Um, and, you know, it, it – Guys had to step up. Dwight Powell stepped up in a huge way. Uh, he had four blocks in that game. I think even Maxi had a decent game. He, of course, got hurt in that Chicago game. I, I don't know if we have any updates on that. I know it's a lower body injury. No, I um, don't think we do. Yeah, but, yeah, I guess we don't have any updates on that Maxi injury. We'll update you as soon as possible. But, uh, yeah, Dwight Powell stepped up in a huge way. That was really his first big 
um, you know, first first big wave of minutes, I would say, or first big time that the Mavericks have had to rely on him this season. Uh, and he stepped up in a big way. I think he looked like a backup center. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, we'll take minutes like that anytime we can get them. So, uh, you know, guys like that, of course, looked great. Grant Williams picked up where he left off outside of that Nets game. Nets game was kind of an anomaly at this point. Uh, but, you know, picked up, dropped his usual, I think it was like 15 or 17 uh, points, you know, solid from the three-point line. Luca is doing Luca things. Uh, he was going off. And let me say, I know I'm jumping around here, but Chicago did a really good job of locking down Luka Doncic. They wanted the other Mavericks to beat them. Uh, of course, we did beat them, uh, you know, due to shot making and everything like that. But, um, you know, I would say Chicago is the first time or first team rather that I've seen lock up Luka that bad, even in a seven game playoff series. I, I don't think I've seen another team clamp up Luka like that. So they did a good job. I think he was a little bit frustrated after getting pestered and everything like that. But in the Memphis game, it was a totally other story. He was getting everything he wanted. His three-point shooting was off the charts. Um, I'm trying to think of anybody else off the bench uh, other than like Dwight Powell. Um, I'm probably missing a few. I, I don't know. This game, I'm not even going to lie because I didn't watch the first quarter. It's not fully in my mind. I have to watch all four quarters to get everything in my mind. But uh, Derek Jones Jr., of course, stuck out. Um, Josh Green had a, a, an all right game. Uh, I think it was 12 points, yeah um in 34 minutes he's had a little bit of a rough start to the game but I know that in this game he had that um yeah it wasn't a dagger he had the dagger in the uh, Bulls game but uh Josh had a solid game I, I would say uh but outside of that you know Tim Hardaway he's putting up really good numbers this season uh off the bench rather and yeah I mean that's uh, I'm trying to like think of everything I know I'm bouncing around all over the place but well if you want to pick up yeah um I thought that um the Mavericks obviously um, had a lot of struggles dealing with Jaron Jackson Jr. early on in the game. Um, you know, they were the Grizzlies were running five out, and you know, Lively was just you know plagued trying to to keep up with that sort of mobility. He he was you know taking him out from the three uh, you know three point line extended, um, attacking to the rim on him, um, stretching the floor on him, and you know obviously the the ups are going to be you know very high with Lively, but the downs are obviously going to be really down as we talked about quite a bit. And, you know, against an all-star caliber center, um, you know, like Jackson Jr., who can stretch the floor like that and, you know, also be such a deterrent on the other end to, you know, Derek Lively's rolling ability um, and, you know, any sort of thing that he was going to try to get going offensively, barring, you know, maybe a putback or something like that. Um, you know, it just made it tough uh, for the Mavericks to really, uh, you know, establish an interior presence. But um, luckily, the the three-point shooting, um, you know, was going off once again uh, across the whole team. Uh, the Mavericks ended up shooting 23 of 47, almost um, 50% from three for the whole game. Um, and, you know, that's on an extremely high volume. I can't remember what it was, but I remember they had the, – there was some sort of record after, like, the – Oh, it was 15 – 15 of the first half. Yeah, they tied the first half. They tied their their, um, their team franchise record on that first single game. So, um, from that perspective – um, you know, everything is um, sort of coming into fruition um, for this Maverick offense, even when, you know, Kyrie is out, you know, in these these first couple games. Uh, I, I think, you know, especially the last two games compared to the first two games of the season, I think that they uh, look a little bit more calculated in their approach. Guys seem to have a better understanding uh, of where they need to be on the floor. Um, there's a lot, a lot more actions being ran these last couple games uh, for guys, um, you know, not 
you know, name Luka Doncic or Kyrie Irving. And that's definitely been a delight to see. There's been a lot of, um, you know, just between Luka, uh, Tim and Grant, uh, those three, you know, when they're on the floor together, that just provides so much shooting the way that Tim's been shooting to start the season. And, you know, there's been a lot of flare out opportunities for those guys uh, with the amount that Luca has been getting trapped these last couple games, and especially in the Memphis game, even too, you know, he wasn't getting his trapped as much, but um, they were uh, switching a lot on him, throwing the sort of uh, kitchen sink of a point of attack defenders at him with, you know, Marcus Smart, um, you know, Xavier Tillman got matched up with on him, which, you know, may not be necessarily a, you know, a guy that can stay with Luca laterally, but he, he has the strength to be able to, um, you know, take some of those blows when Luca tries to, you know, back up in the post. And obviously Desmond Bain, you know, he's a really good defender. So the Grizzlies, um, you know, definitely had their their fair share of guys um, that, you know, could have easily threw Luca off in this game. And, you know, to an extent, he was uh, struggling with his passing uh, a little bit. And he did in the uh, Bulls game as well, uh, even more so. Um, and we'll get to that a little bit later. But in that Grizzlies game, he did have six turnovers, but I thought a lot of them, you know, were more off the live dribble. Um, not as many of them were, uh, you know, just sort of dumb passes that he was trying to force down, you know, an opponent's neck just because, you know, he saw an angle or somehow thought he could make a play, was a little overconfident. Uh, a lot more, um, you know, just turnovers in the process of the offense. So I wasn't really too concerned about that. But, you know, his shot, uh, was was humming once again. He went six for twelve from three in that game, uh, eleven and twenty two from the field. And you know, I think last night may have been a sign for him to try and start attacking the rim a little bit more yeah. after you know that performance against Chicago. But um, you know, it was such a hot start to the shoot. You know, a hot start to the season shooting the ball. Uh, you can't really blame him for uh, you know the way that he was um, you know playing in that in that Grizzlies game because. Um, too many times, you know, opponents are so threatened of him, uh, of his driving capability or his ability to get to the rim that, you know, if they go under on a screen like that, um, you know, especially this season, his, his three-point shot form has, you know, he's looked as, like he's had as quick of a trigger as ever, um, you know, off that step back. It almost, you know, seems like he's making more step backs than he is just set, uh, you know, set shots. So, um, you know, like, you know, from that perspective, um, you know, when he's shooting like that, you, you know, you let him sort of have the reins loose a little bit more. But, you know, in a game last night um, where Kyrie was out and Lucas still shot poorly and still, you know, distributed the rock uh, pretty poorly, you know, that that's what was most impressive, obviously, about last night's win. Um, but, you know, in that in that Grizzlies game, he still, um, you know, did a really good job of, you know, making the uh, sort of kick out. Uh, cross-court passes to find shooters. Uh, the Grizzlies, I think, did a better job rotating in the second half to try to close on some of the Mavericks shooters. But, um, you know, they the, the Mavericks had them in disarray with the amount of uh, cuts, um, the amount of, you know, down screens that they were running for guys to get moving across the floor, especially from the wing position. Um, you know, Derek Jones Jr. found himself in a lot of favorable mismatch uh, scenarios to where he was able to attack a closeout one-on-one. Um, you know, obviously we talked about uh, Grant Williams and, and Josh Green, you know, they were both the same way, um, both canned in a few threes as well. Yep. And, uh, you know, when Tim Hardaway Jr. was in the game, you know, as he has the last sort of two games, really led the tide uh, when, you know, in those non-Luka minutes um, and was able to, um, at least from a shot creation standpoint, 
um, you know, come in and get hot at the right time and, you know, not turn the ball over in that second unit. And, you know, that's crucial, even if he's not really able to provide much from a playmaking perspective, you know, the degree of difficulty of some of the shots that he's making this year has, has really been off the charts. I mean, he's, you know, guys draped all over his hand, you know, his face and he's still making it. So, you know, if he's going to be shooting that effectively, um, then, you know, and he's going to be coming into, you know, provide that tertiary offense off the bench or, you know, secondary offense, um, you know, in, t- in times where the Mavericks really don't have another playmaker out there or Kyrie's out or Luca's out or vice versa. Um, you know, it, it's been really huge. Uh, cause I, I mean, honestly, before the season started, I really didn't know who was going to get more ball handling responsibility, uh, between him and Seth off the bench. Um, and maybe even between Hardy, uh, but, but Tim early on is obviously clearly, um, you know, showed that his shot making ability this year and his ability to, um, you know, even when the three's not there, get to that, uh, in between game or, or attack the basket, if he's able to find an angle, um, you know, it's, it's really been unprecedented, you know, uh, even compared to, uh, you know, years previously, because, um, you know, and it's only been four games, obviously. So we're going to have to see how this transpires going forward, you know, throughout the whole season, but, um, you know, he, he's, I think he's just done a much better job at understanding, um, you know, the, the sort of shot distribution that he should have throughout a game. Um, and he's not taking as many dumb threes, um, a lot of, you know, his shots are high percentage, at least for him in terms of, you know, him getting to his spots, you know, he's always going to have the occasional, you know, one or two, um, shots a game that are, are pretty questionable. Like, you know, last night, for instance, against Chicago, when he took that, um, you know, post, uh, fade away on the baseline and it's just like, you know, what are you doing? Right. Um, and every once in a while, hoisting early shot clock three, but I mean, overall, I think the process has just been really good for him helped tremendously off the bench in, in the Grizzlies game and, and last night and the Mavericks in both of these games were their starters, pretty heavy minutes. Uh, they kept the rotation fairly tight, even if they have, you know, been playing 10, 11 guys. Um, that's not 10, 11 guys that are really getting minutes. It's more like, you know, seven, maybe, you know, eight guys that are getting you know real minutes in most of these games. So, um, but, you know, while there were um, some, defensive lapses and what have you in the first half of the Grizzlies game uh, that the Mavericks definitely need to patch up, especially, you know, from perimeter perspective, Um, you know, collectively the team defense um, has been good and, you know, down the stretch in both of these games, Um, even, you know, even though the Chicago, um, you know, shot pretty poorly last night in the first half, I, I think that they were getting pretty good looks and the Mavericks, you know, did play in my opinion, a lot better of a second or a second defensive half. So, you know, just playing a full 48 minutes has got to be a huge focus. Um, the Mavericks have the personnel to to do that to an extent. So if they need to rely on some of these guys off the bench a little bit more, then, you know, I, I genuinely think that, you know, they should. And we'll talk more about that in the podcast, I'm sure. Um, but overall, um, you know, especially in that Grizzlies game, um, you know, it was just a great team-oriented win where, you know, despite the lack of playmaking and shot creation, you know, void that was there, um, it, it was filled uh, pretty handily by by the Mavericks' ability to, you know, pass out of double teams and, um, you know, find mismatch scenarios to to get open threes because they were just doing a great job of it all night. And, you know, Luca led the brigade. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, to your credit about getting those mismatch on threes, like, I mean, everybody's doing a really good job of moving off ball. Uh, Grant Williams and Derek Jones Jr. have honestly become like catapults of, you know, that off-ball movement 
whether it's with you know screening um or just you know flipping court flipping sides of the court um they're doing a really good job of getting out there getting to the open corners and getting to the open wings uh, and letting Luca pretty much do the work from there and you know being able to either rotate around the perimeter or uh you know work around an off-ball screen and get an open shot like the they them two in general have done a really good job of that um to Josh Green's credit I don't think he's gotten off to the best start of this season um but I think he's been an maybe not a plus on the court um you know in terms of stats and stuff things like that but I think that he's done a good job of you know keeping the offense flowing he's been really the guy screening off ball um you know between all those guys Grant Williams of course also does that that's just you know Grant Williams as a player um but yeah no I, I like what you said around that perimeter shooting um for Tim Hardaway I kind of want to just touch up on that I don't expect this to be you know maybe not something that sticks around all year like you know you're going to have shooting slumps um periodically like that's just how the NBA rolls um you know if he is going to average like 15 to 20 every game I, I mean I'll, you know that's something that the Mavericks are going to have to rely on because obviously like you said you know whenever Luka Doncic is on the bench uh, you know, for all of eight minutes, he's the guy that's leading that sort of offensive brigade brigade uh, and taking care of the offense from there. I think, you know, there's not really a point guard that the Mavericks have whenever Kyrie or Luca is out. I mean, you can rely on Dante Exum as much as possible, but there's really not a guy that can facilitate uh, at a caliber that Kyrie and Luca can do. So, you know, having an offensive uh, weapon like Tim Hardaway is honestly really pivotal. And I, we've seen Jane Hardy uh, check in here and there, especially this last two games that we're talking about. Um, I, I think his, his Chicago game was a lot better than the, uh, than the Memphis game. But uh, I think if, you know, you're looking to work in potential more offensive weapons, you look to get him more minutes like we saw in that Chicago game. So I, I really liked what I saw out of Tim, you know, in this one, I think his only, you know, negative game, quote for quote, has probably been that Nets game where he still dropped like 14 points or something like that um it, it was just really bad shooting and a bad process but yeah I mean I think his offensive process I think you know the shots that he has taken have looked really good outside of the usual one to two Tim Hardaway Jr. shots that you mentioned earlier so I, I really like this team win uh this was probably the first one of the season that was you know very much a feel-good win I, I know it's going to go down as a clutch win uh or a clutch game but you know I, I really think that the Mavericks were in control of this throughout the second half and I honestly had that feeling throughout the whole game I just don't think that the personnel of the Memphis Grizzlies right now is good enough to stick with even a top eight team in the west I mean you know they're dead last granted it's four games in uh but they haven't won a single game yet and we're seeing this you know I, I know a lot of their offseason additions aren't really settled in and everything like that uh but look you know you're you're gonna have to survive 25 games without John Morant and so far they haven't they haven't even done a good job of treading water and that uh sort of 25 games uh like sort of sphere that they're gonna have so but for the Mavericks I, I really like this win you know the, of course they pulled it out in that final three minutes after the after De Desmond Bain really alone uh was going on that insane three-point stretch uh but yeah a 125-110 victory is definitely a victory that you'll take anywhere especially on the road uh where this team really struggled last year on the road so I I'm really I, I was really intrigued with this win um, and then, of course, you know, we played a Chicago opponent who, you know, was coming off uh, a win against the Pacers uh, where Vucevic dropped 24 points and 17 rebounds um, in that game. And I, I thought that, you know, Vuce again picked up right where he left off. He had like 21 boards or something like that um, in that in the game against the Mavericks. So I, I was really pleased with it. I think that the Mavericks have done a good job of keeping momentum forward 
Um, and, you know, as we mentioned earlier, they're doing a really, really good job defensively and offensively uh, of closing out games. And I think that's been the biggest positive of this team uh, without Kyrie or without Doncic on the floor at times. I think that they've done a good job of picking up, um, picking up the the sort of faults that this team does have. They've picked up on it. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that the Mavericks are, you know, have they have a really good understanding um, everybody on the team and you know you can see it kind of reflected with Grant Williams and what he said but I feel like everybody on the team has a very um, you know good understanding of what they need to do to you know cover each other's you know lapses quote-unquote um, everybody you know what well, you know may not say it out loud of course but you know everybody understands that everybody on the team has you know certain deficiencies um, and not even necessarily all of them have to be you know basketball oriented like Grant Williams last night talked about in his post-game media availability, how, you know, he, he'll cover for Luca um, if he, um, you know, is mad at the refs or something of that nature and is complaining too much about a call, kind of like what we saw last night. Yeah, he got a technical last Yeah, night, he so. did get his yeah. first tech of the season last night. Um, and, you know, Grant Williams said that he, he'd come in and cover and, you know, get that tech for him if need be. And that seems to be the sort of, you know, attitude across the board on this team, uh, just in terms of, you know, everybody doing their job, obviously, but everybody, you know, is really playing for each other. You know, you can see that, um, you know, just from a, chemi a chemistry perspective, um, and it's a, you know, stark contrast compared to last year. Even at the beginning of the season last year, you know, the team, um, you know, wasn't, you know, as synchronized as they are right now, uh, especially towards the end. So uh, from that perspective, you know, you love to see the joy, you know, rubbing off on all these guys' faces and, you know, how much they, they do want to, to play for each other because that sort of camaraderie, especially on defense, um, you know, on those hustle possessions, you know, you may, you know, from an outside perspective watching, you know, not thinking that means much, but, you know, sometimes that, that could be the, you know, sort of breaking point that, you know, forces a veteran or, you know, somebody of that nature, you know, he's been in the league for a while and, you know, may not want to exert all that, that much effort on a play like that to, you know, really get after it. And, you know, that's what I've really been most impressed by, um, you know, this Mavericks team. Um, thus far and you know you've seen it reflected in both of these wins but obviously the Mavericks you know rode the coattails of some you know pretty impressive shooting as well last night um, you know Jaron talked about how the Bulls you know really sought to implement um, you know that that trap scheme on Luka um, anytime that you know he almost you know broke the three-point line there was a second defender um, the nearest help defender coming out to you know try and get in his face and derail him uh, something like that. And, you know, we've seen teams do that to Luca before. Um, there were plenty of games last season uh, where that happened. You know, I, I do think uh, to the Bulls credit, they did a good job at not, you know, letting the, the big be the second guy yeah, in that scenario. Yeah, they did a great job of that. Um, I think that a lot of other teams, you know, when they have trapped Luca, you know, when the Mavericks are able to get the, the big involved to the level of the screen, um, you know, that makes, you know, if Luke is, you know, Luca is like six, seven, almost, you know, if he's able to make a pass out of that, you know, which, you know, sometimes he can't, but when he usually, you know, usually is able to make a pass out of that, that opens up the offense so much because then you've dragged out the, the big to, you know, pass the free throw line. And, um, you know, you can usually get an easy layup or, or open three pointer. Um, but the Bulls obviously did a much better job of patching that up, but, uh, the Mavericks, uh, you know, I thought that they did a really good job last night of, uh, getting lively moving when he was in the game, you know, he was running to the nail. Uh, he was trying to find the ball when Luca was getting trapped. And I honestly thought that a lot of what, you know, a lot of Luca's six turnovers last night 
Uh, a lot of them were like self-inflicted wounds. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I mean, yes, the Bulls did a good job, but, you know, we've seen teams employ this scheme against the Mavericks before. You know, the Clippers did it in the playoffs a couple years ago. I mean, we, we, we've seen everybody throw the kitchen sink at Luca. So I don't know if I would, you know, also say that it was, you know, the hardest defensive pressure that he's ever faced off against. But, you know, they did they did play him really tight. But Luca just almost seemed lackadaisical in this process at times. And I, I don't know if it's, you know, fatigue or whatever, just – handling the ball so much you know he did play 40 uh 41 or 40 minutes in that um Grizzlies game and then 40 minutes against the Bulls today so you know without Kyrie you know Jason Kidd is you know kept this rotation really tight you know you'd like to see maybe Exum Seth Curry get a little bit more responsibility handling the rock maybe even Hardy uh but you know uh Jason Kidd um has you know kept Doncic in there regardless of you know how bad he's been playing and even though you know, I thought Luca was almost looking to pass to an extent last night. And, you know, just based on the defense that was being uh, played against him, you know, when he was, um, you know, looking to score or the Bulls, you know, had Patrick Williams on him or something. And they were kind of just trusting that he'd be able to guard him in a scenario like that. Um, you know, I thought Luca did settle a bit too much last night. And, you know, he was leading to a lot of end of the shot clock threes. And, you know, I'm willing to sort of cast it off um because of how hot he's been shooting recently you know as maybe him just you know having an off game after his shot was working really well for him um you know maybe just being a little bit too overconfident because he did you know take a lot of shots last night that were probably um that would probably be looked at as heat checks even though he had nothing really necessarily to heat check so um you know from that perspective you know he he does have a lot of things to clean up but you know, every once in a while, your superstar is going to have a down game. Um, and, you know, he's still at 18, 10 and seven. I mean, it's not like, you know, it was we, we just had a total crisis over here. Um, and, and he was a plus 11. And I thought played pretty good defense. They played really so, good defense. You know, he, yeah. So, um, it, you know, I, I talked about in the podcasts, you know, over the first few games. So I thought Luca had had some pretty good, you know, defensive possessions. But these last two games, you know, you've really seen how much the, the shape has paid off. You know, he's. He's having, you know, whole defensive, you know, good games. They're not just stretches anymore. They're not just, you know, possessions and then take the next possession off. And, you know, I know that that attitude is definitely, um, the, you know, sort of accountability on that end, you know, having somebody to push him, stump, you know, that voice, uh, you know, I, I, Jason Kidd, everybody else in the locker room has been saying that Grant Williams has been a huge different ma- difference maker with that. And, you know, I, I wonder if that's bearing some of, you know, the effect of, you know, how much, you know, defensive effort Luca's giving in some of these games because, you know, obviously getting in shape helps, but he hasn't, you know, really been doing anything like this um, ever before in terms of, you know, being, you know, this locked in on defense. Obviously, you know, he's not going to be able to, you know, just physically exert as much as, you know, some of the Mavericks wings who, who need to guard the best players on the opposing team every every single game. But, you know, I, I wonder if, you know, that, that sort of construct of, accountability that you know grant williams is um you know really inflicting upon you know that starting lineup um if that's you know playing into effect you know with how everybody's playing defense and not just luca um so you know I, I despite um things being a little bit haywire in terms of you know how i thought lackadaisical he played offensively last night you know luca just had a lot of possessions where he not didn't seem disinterested, but, you know, he was just way too cocky in terms of, you know, thinking a pass could easily slip through and, you know, underestimating, you know, the, the bull's ability to pick the passing lanes, things of that nature. You know, I, th- I think it, you know, he will think, t- will t- turn things around. 
Um, but you know, the Mavericks had his back last night. And when Luca was able to use that drag dribble to um, you know, get the ball out of his hands once the trap came, um, there were it was open threes galore last night in Dallas. And, you know, Jer- uh Derek Jones Jr., Grant Williams, Tim Hardaway Jr. were all huge benefactors uh of that that space last night. And, you know, while some you know, some guys on the team were struggling a little bit with like Josh Green, he only made one three. Uh, but you know, his one three that he did make was really the big. dagger. Yeah, that yeah. Was... <laughs> um, you know, everybody else uh, was you know really pouring it in last night, and you know, I love how savvy our shooters are. They, you know, especially you know Grant and Derek, they, uh, you know, are really benefiting from. I I think you know not only the the space that Luca is providing, but um, you know, his ability to to just find guys uh, in sort of just uncanny scenarios. Um, you know, I don't think a lot of these guys are used to, you know, just because they're open necessarily receiving a pass, but, you know, Luke is able to hit guys on over the head passes, you know, behind his back uh, when he's, you know, driving for a kickout scenarios, he's able to essentially find anybody, anybody, you know, regardless of what angle he's attacking from. And, you know, while his overall decision process last night, you know, was a little forced, um, you know, once he was able to, um, get the ball out of his hands, um, you know, especially as good of a job as Derek Lively second, you know, did playmaking uh, the short roll last night, finding other Maverick shooters. Uh, you know, it, it really was um, just, you know, a, a floodgate of three pointers raining down uh, and, you know, the Mavericks shot a lot and, you know, they didn't make all their threes, obviously, you know, they went 20 for 48, very high volume, but, you know, when you make 23s at the end of the day, there's only, you know, so much more from an offensive perspective that, that, that you can do. I mean, I really don't know how much the Mavericks are going to average this year. I know on the broadcast, on the broadcast, they, they brought up, Oh, you know, Falwell said that they might have a 125 point average this year. And uh, Derek Harper kind of scoffed at that, <laughs> but um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens this year. I mean, this is uh, some obscene offensive production and, you know, once the, the flow of the offense starts to transition to a little bit more playmaking, uh, and, and shot creation, you know, oriented once teams start to um, really, you know, be able to scheme for Dallas's, uh, you know, opposing shooters a little bit better. You know, we start going against groups with better personnel. Uh, you know, I, I think that that is when some of the question marks um, that, that we haven't really seen throughout the first four games against some of the, you know, pr- based on the opponents that we played, you know, that that's when some of them will arise. And, you know, that's when, you know, some of these rotation questions may arise, but, uh, for right now, you know, based on who the Mavericks have played, um, you know, as well as how they're shooting the ball, um, you know, you can't really blame them for this overall process. And I mean, look, you're seeing how some of these free agent signings are paying dividends, you know, even if Grant Williams isn't really a guy that's dynamic off the, you know, in terms of being able to attack off closeouts all the time or, or you know, add another element of shot creation. I mean, he, he's very savvy, you know, just as a shooter, um, you know, he's, you know, sidestepping guys when they're preemptively closing out on him, things like that. Uh, he, he knows how to find those open pockets. And, you know, like Jaron talked about, all these guys understand spacing really good. Um, so, you know, him, him and Derek Jones Jr. right now uh, from that wing position, you know, last two games have just been huge in terms of, uh, you know, attacking those closeouts, you know, finding the pockets in the defense with that open space that, that, that you know, Luca's commanding because, you know, his, his start for the season obviously has, you know, I'm sure every single opposing head coach, um, in panic mode ahead of these games, you know, you, and you saw it with, um, you know, what um, Billy Donovan uh, employed last night for Chicago. Um, and who's the Grizzlies coach again? Uh, Taylor Jenkins. Taylor Jenkins. Yeah. Let's just slip in my mind. 
Um, yeah, and what Taylor Jenkins uh, did the other night in Memphis. So. Yeah, yeah, no, obviously, um, and I, I really like your point where you brought up, you know, what sort of Doncic does to all these other guys around the perimeter. Um, you know, I, I said on the hour-long live stream that I was on uh, last night covering the first half of the game, um, you know, sort of what Luka Magic is uh, for these other perimeter guys is like, you know, they're going to nail shots because they're so open. Doncic draws that much of an offensive or a defensive assignment rather for other teams, uh, as we saw in the Bills or in the Bills in the Bulls game, um, where you know you have to have a second defender as soon as he breaches the three point line. That also, is going to create. This goes to show just how, just how bad Reggie Bullock was last year. Oh I yeah, think. absolutely. Is, especially mean... his his diminishing role in Houston right now. Like he's yeah, not he's, no. and the fact that you know amidst all that space, you know he. he He's still going to knock around until yeah, January second. So. Exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, no, I mean things came into fruition, but uh, you know, the Mavericks shooting may not have been as good as it as it seemed. And you know, I I think Dorian Finney Smith's a really good NBA player. Um, but I will say as much that you can definitely see how much he benefited from the space uh in Dallas uh compared to Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brooklyn he's yeah, still he's, shooting good, but he's like you know, a thirty six, thirty seven. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's, he's solid, good. but you know, he's you know, he's you see why these guys, you know, are all, you know, when, once they come to Dallas, um, you know, start approaching that 38, 39% range. And, you know, what, what makes the difference between, um, you know, the Mavericks wings last year, obviously, you know, and, you know, compared to this year, obviously, you know, aside from how much better they are, you know, defensively, um, you know, are their ability to, to do a few more things on the court, yeah. um, you know, other than, than shoot. And even if Grant Williams, um, necessarily isn't you know that as dynamic maybe offensively as Dorian was I mean he's just he, he has such a good team understanding of basketball and he always does at least a couple things every game from a creation standpoint to to get by but you know so far into the season I mean he's been such a good shooter yeah. that you know we're seeing a guy that was a maybe a 39 40 percent for three-point shooter you know in another scheme come to Dallas you know potentially be in that 40 like, to 45 yeah, range exactly throughout the whole yeah. season as you know, well. versus you know a guy like Dorian or Reggie, you know, they play with Luca. They their percentage rather, you know, ticks up maybe you know a hedge under forty. But I mean, that's you know that that may seem like just a ever so slight difference. But you know those those couple threes they add up throughout the course of the yeah season throughout the course win. of the season and especially for you know these clutch games that the Mavericks have been in. If it wasn't for two or three of the you know normal threes that were made in these games, uh, you know, we would have seen it last year where. The Mavericks, you know, instead of going 41.7%, they probably would have been like 39.8, and that would have been the result in the win or loss, um, to your point. So I, I really like that point that you brought up. Um, and that's strictly Doncic and the shooters that you put around him. You know, Derek Jones Jr. is a career like 34% th- uh, three-point shooter, but you look at the guards that he's had in his career, and I'm not calling him a shooter or anything like that, but you look at the point guards that he's had in his career, he hasn't had anybody like Doncic. Um, and you know, obviously Derek Jones Jr. has been a, a massive benefactor of what he's been able to do on the offensive court. So, uh, especially same thing for Grant Williams. I think Grant Williams has always been a, a really solid shooter in the minutes that he has been given. Uh, but you know, we haven't seen anything like seven of nine from the three point line. Like, you know, even in his games, playoff game. well, even in the game seven, uh, yeah. against the Bucks, he's, he was like, I forget how many threes he made. It was like eight or nine, uh, was, but he was, was like seven. nine for like 20 or it was like it was seven, seven for like. Yeah, it was, but it was like seven for yeah. like 20. Like, it, yeah. you know, it's still bad shooting, quote unquote. But yeah. like seven of nine is ridiculous in terms of a regular season game. So I think that, you know, I'm not saying that this is going to continue all season long. You know, you're going to see stretches where guys aren't shooting as well. But I, I mean, this is definitely something that, you know, early on in the season, if they're shooting this well, 
Um, you know, maybe don't expect to get that much better or, you know, I'm not trying to say that negatively, but, uh, you know, this is something that will stick throughout the season. And that's probably the biggest effect that we've seen through the first four games and defense rather or, and defense, of course. So, yeah. And, you know, the, the main thing, obviously that's really going to be the X factor, you know, as, as we've seen, you know, with the shooting, but, you know, like we talked about, you know, once they do face against, some of these better teams, they will probably experience some shooting woes from from time to time, you know. And Josh Green and you know Derek Jones Jr., you know how much they can give you uh, from a sort of tertiary uh, creation standpoint, you know, attacking off the catch, um, that is going to be huge because you know they've showed that ability before. I mean, obviously Derek Jones Jr. is starting to show that ability here in Dallas for, you know, to, I mean to this extent, really the first time in his career. So we'll you know continue to see how that goes. But you know, Josh Green's had a little bit of a rough start to the season. Um, I, He's not as aggressive as last yeah. year, even with Kyrie out. You know, obviously, he's granted it has only been four games, but you know, I I think if he does start to get it going, which you know I, I think is more of a win versus if thing, in my opinion, I, I think you know he just had a little bit of a hectic start to the season. You know, he did have that that little injury in training camp, and there was uh, Mark Stein confirmed this the other day. You know, a little bit of uncertainty leading up to the the deadline in terms yeah. of his contract. Um, extension. It wasn't, you know, completely smooth sailing. You know, I'm able to focus on basketball 100%. You know, you can, he can say that to the media all he wants, but obviously those things, you know, do weigh on you a little bit mentally. So, you know, it, it's good that, you know, we've, we're past that. Um, and, you know, he's, he's been getting a, a, a better opportunity after, you know, not starting. And, you know, the way Derek Jones Jr. is starting to play, I'm obviously becoming less and less critical of my, you know, Josh yeah. Green has to start. Yeah. And we'll get to that later in the podcast, but um, you know, I think once he starts to, um, you know, really show some of those elements of, um, you know, offensive creation that he was showing in the preseason and both uh, throughout large stretches of last season, you know, once he really gets his confidence back, um, you know, I, I think that that um, diminishes um, the, the sort of over-reliance on, you know, the three-point shot even more, you know, when the Mavericks are going to start facing off against these good teams. So, you know, that that's all obviously good in theory and the Mavericks have the personnel uh, to not um, have to jack up 48 threes, you know, to win a game, but, you know, we're just going to have to see that process actually unfold, um, you know, for, for us to see it happen. But, you know, based on, you know, what was given to them last night, especially uh, with as bad of a game as Luca was having, um, you know, offen- <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I know yeah, offensively, um, but, you know, and it, obviously, you know, he's doing a good job, you know, getting to the rim, stuff like that. But I mean, it, it was just going to be uh, essential that guys stepped up and made shots last night, you know, with the bowl scheme and, you know, Derek Lively, like we talked about, obviously with those six assists, I mean, just, you know, ever so savvy as a rookie to, to be able to, you know, you know, attack off of, you know, short roll scenarios and kick out to the corner. I mean, he, he's just making great decisions. You know, he knows when to pass on the run, you know, when to just stop and, you know, maybe hand off, hand off the ball, reset the possession for a dribble handoff, you know, with Tim or something like that. I mean, he, he was just, he had a very good complex understanding of, you know, exactly what to do as the short role man, which is not easy for a, a rookie center. I can't emphasize that enough. I mean, there's so many veteran centers who, you know, due to their, um, you know, just how sloppy they were, they are with the ball offensively. Um, they can't really, you know, be, um, you know, in the game for too long. And that's why they're on the end of the bench. But I mean, that was, uh, you know, really impressive, especially given, I mean, the dude's seven one two forty five and, He's out here doing Euro steps in, yeah. in the in the lane to you know give little dump off passes to Derek Jones Jr. for a dunk. So, 
I mean, all those sort of actions, you know, you love to see it. And, you know, I love to see how the Mavericks were moving without the ball last night. Um, and, you know, like Jaron talked about, just finding those pockets on the perimeter. But, you know, um, you know, Lively's passing and offensive rebounding last night, especially against Vucevic. Um, you know, wow, excellent. Yes, yeah, excellent yeah. rebounder. Yeah. And also showed up on the board. And but, Drummond for that yes, matter. I mean, so. uh, but I thought Lively did do a good job, you know, as counterintuitive as it may be, because I honestly thought he – didn't really do the best job of boxing out last night Sometimes, on the, yeah. on the defensive glass, like specifically, yeah. but I, I thought what he really did a good job of was, you know, just being able to use, you know, his athleticism to, um, and, and, you know, finding those, those balls that not every, everybody was necessarily going to get to, you know, he, he was hustling after everything, using his verticality to get up there, um, you know, to, to get some of those shots that are coming off the room. Um, you know, with some steam, stuff like that. So uh, he, he did a great job hustling, um, you know, last night. You know, I obviously the re- rebounding numbers aren't necessarily always reflective of, you know, how to get of a job he did, like boxing out and stuff like that. That's going to kind of come with the territory. But, um, you know, he was hustling and, you know, for being the biggest guy on the court um, last night, at least from a height perspective, you know, he made his presence known. Um, so I was, um, you know, obviously, I, as all Mavs fans were, um you know, really encouraged with his performance last night, both offensively and defensively. And I mean, the, the short roll stuff is just extremely intriguing because, you know, you know, he obviously flashed a little bit of that in his tape at Duke last year. Um, and, you know, we saw that in the draft profile, but um, this is the first time that, you know, we've seen it on uh, a sort of large scale basis. Yep. And, you know, for him to do that throughout a whole game and, you know, it's the most minutes he's played in the game too with 33, um, especially with that maxi injury that we'll get to here in a second. Um, you know, it was just, really impressive and obviously you know there are going to be the nice that he struggles against you know the really good centers but um you know he he really built off that that rough game in memphis did a really uh much better job playing defense without fouling even if it may have came to his detriment in terms of how tight he was able to stay to vucevic a little bit sometimes uh you know i saw a little we could we could see that he was a little hesitant you know trying to stay with him in some of those pick and rolls just in terms of you know not wanting to you know commit a hard foul he just has to learn how to be in position without doing it but um, I mean, otherwise, you know, he, he put a phenomenal game uh, on both sides of the ball, which is really active, uh, got, you know, there were so many times where Bulls guards were, you know, driving down hill and, you know, he was just a active deterrent and, you know, reaching a hand over, making, making it tougher, closing off driving lanes, things like that. I, I just really loved um, his overall, you know, process as a rim protector as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think Derek Lively, I, I mean, some of the things that, you know, he did last night, and this is sort of counterintuitive because this is what has been said, um, but he doesn't look like a rookie. Um, you know, just the six assists kind of speak for themselves. I mean, he was looking for other guys to make shots, you know, on that sort of Eurostep uh, dump off pass to Derek Jones Jr., as we mentioned earlier, you know, he could have easily dunked that, you know, taking an easy two whatever, you know, a usual rookie probably would have done. Uh, been, you know, not necessarily selfish, but maybe a little selfish in that scenario. But he instead dumped it off. Also got, he may have picked up an offensive foul if he tried to. Well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he could have picked up an offensive foul. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, if he didn't veer step or, you know, whatever it was. But, you know, I, I thought the process of looking for open shooters was really good. He, of course, you know, speaking to his sort of effort, um, you know, had that one where the ball was going out of bounds. And I, I think every bull and every Mavs, uh, our Mavericks player on the court um, kind of just would have left that one be, but he was hustling after that ball. 
and right in the breadbasket of uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. Bullet made the three. Pass. Yeah, bullet pass. Uh, <laughs> made the three and got fouled in the process. Um, that, that, that was that was the most hype moment of the game. Oh, I for thought. sure. But, no, I, I stood. Yeah, yeah, I was like the only time because like, I started running around the house. Yeah, I wanted to really? like, Yeah, I was like, well, because I mean, it's Derek Jones, nah, or, uh, Derek Lively. Like, no, nah, yeah, I, I was getting some rookie, bro. Like recently, um, <laughs> I obviously when we're still at the games, I'm like very proactive in terms of my. You know, we physical be. reactions. Yeah. Um, especially, you know, but amidst all the high intensity uh Mavs games that I've watched, I wouldn't say that I've gotten numb, obviously. I'm just as like locked in mentally. But you know, the reactions on the outside don't always um they're not always as um I guess um abrasive. Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're, like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're not they always as, yeah. yeah, they're not always as crazy. So um, you know, last night, um there's always a couple plays in every game that um, I, I get yelled at by, by my grandparents who are in the other room, um, or, or something like that. And that was one of them for sure. No. Yeah, for sure. I, I definitely got up. I got loud. And as I said, uh, I may have trotted around the house a little bit, but, um, I mean, he had a phenomenal game, uh, even if it, you know, wasn't necessarily the most amount of points he could have put up or the most blocks or whatever it was, you know, he had a phenomenal game. And as uh, Grant Williams mentioned in the post-game, uh, post-game interview, you know, he, he did the marginal things uh, and did these sort of uh, things, I guess, that got guys motivated. Uh, it just was hardworking plays. That's what, uh, you know, Derek Lively did. And that's kind of what we brought him here to do. And I, I know that you talked about this a little bit, um, but through the draft process of, you know, sort of scouting him, I, I believe we scouted him together actually. Uh, like, yeah, the, I think it was one of the few that we scouted together, him and like Cam Whitmore. Um, but, you know, out of the few that we did scout together, Derek Lively was one of them. And his playmaking or not necessarily playmaking, but facilitating in the short role, uh, you know, finding open shooters was one of the positives. Um, and of course, we saw it on, you know, an NBA scale for the first time this season. And it probably won't be the last either. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we see another six assist or six plus six plus assist game out of Derek Lively. And we're just four games in. So definitely very pleased with what we saw out of him uh offensive rebounding too he created so many second chance points um that you know we probably would have lost the game if it wasn't for him you know in Chicago you know as you said like he didn't really have the best positioning didn't really have the best boxing out in terms of defensive rebounding uh but Chicago I'm not sure how many second chance points they created they created honestly not as many as there probably should have been uh because they missed like six in a row in terms of like getting an offensive rebound and kicking out yeah. to the shooter and missing. They were they, really yeah, rough shooting that. They, yeah, they had a really rough shooting that. It, it, this isn't a shooting team too to their to their uh point. But yeah, I thought that, you know, for what Derek Lively did against two excellent rebounding bigs, uh, I thought he did a phenomenal job. And I, I was I was intrigued to see the matchup against Vucevic. Uh not necessarily for the rebounding perspective, but just from the defensive perspective. Uh, you know, Vooch got pretty much where he wanted uh on some, you know, some possessions, but I, I really liked, you know, some of the switching uh, that Derek Lively did. You know, I think it could have been a little bit better defensively in terms of just one-on-one on Vucevic. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't really complain too much. The Mavericks got the win. And Vucevic was really the only guy that had a, you know, huge effect on the game other than Zach Levine's, like, five three-pointers in a row in the first half. I didn't really feel anything. Also, Caruso, I, I thought he did a really good job defensively. Yes, no, Caruso played phenomenal defense yeah. on Luka one-on-one. Yeah, no. Especially yeah. just pressuring him 94 feet. And then I think there was that one play where he like knocked it off a money in like an inbound pass or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then there was another one where Luca was inbound. I, was it Caruso? I believe who got the steal when Luca was inbound. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And then no, he, he, he like, took, got the steal. Yeah, he like one hand stole it. Yeah. So, I mean, he, I mean, that, that's a guy that anybody wants on their team right there. Um, 
That's What's like, funny is there was a graphic showing how many deflections and he was tied for first. And then that happened. As that, it, yeah. As it, uh, yeah. as it happened. So I, I, Josh green is like the, if Josh green could get it together offensively, <laughs> yeah. um, he, he would be like a, a almost like supercharged version of Caruso, but you know, that's, that's just the dream. So we'll see how that comes into fruition. But, um, you know, I, I wanted to touch up, you know, not necessarily on more guys. Cause I feel like we have talked about a lot of these dudes, but a couple, you know, just, Overall, things from the game that were, you know, really impressive, just maybe a couple plays because, um, you know, I do want to mention, um, you know, some things that stuck out. Uh, Derek Jones Jr.'s put back dunk on Zach Levine yeah, was definitely was <laughs> insane. I, I don't feel like I would be doing this podcast justice if I didn't ma- uh, mention that. Obviously, Derek Lively, he caught, got an offensive rebound, was sort of jockeying for position down low and, you know, brought the ball down. Cardinals said number one is the center, but it's okay. He's learning. Um, and then um, try to go for a little baby hook shot that bounced off the rim. And Derek Jones Jr. jumped a little early, but like hung oh, up yeah. in the air and dunked all over his former teammate Zach Levine. Derek had his like Jr. nuts in his back yeah. of his head. Like he was he was talking shit to the Bulls bench too when he was making threes. I mean, it was it was hype. I mean, I know we talked about him and just in terms of his overall performance, you know, throughout these last two games. Um, but you know, even specifically last night, just um, you know, his ability to, uh, you know, be an offensive rebounder, you know, attack off those closeouts, um, you know, make those uh, timely cuts, especially, um, you know, when Doncic uh, was able to use the drag dribble to, um, you know, beat the trap. Uh, you know, he, he just does a really good job at understanding floor spacing. So, I mean, you know, that's exactly what we wanted from him last night. I've been really impressed with him. Um, and his defense has been uh, really good too. I mean, he, he's been sticking guys as much as possible. Um, I, I kind of do want to get transition to some of the negatives because I, I don't want this to be a, you know, completely, you know, upbeat um, podcast. And, you know, that's not us trying to downplay the significance of the Mavericks, you know, being 4-0. But, you know, like we kind of talked about, um, you know, there are some things that we we do need to talk about because we're not going to – they're probably not going to win every game this yeah. season. Um, so, um you know, I, there are some things that I think are potentially getting overlooked right now that I just want to make sure everybody understands. So, you know, when it does, you know, happen, you know, you don't have as much yeah, of a, you're, uh, not, a, you're not too you know, shocked over reaction. Yeah. But, um, you know, we'll, we'll, so we'll sort of get into that. Um, but other than that, you know, overall through, throughout both of these games, um, the Mavericks um, just did a great job, you know, at, at obviously, you know, just inflicting their shooting prowess on the other team um, and and playing enough defense to to get by. And I mean, in that Grizzlies game, you know, Lucas shot shot making down the stretch was huge. But um, I think, you know, one common thing that the Mavericks um, have been able to, you know, take with them throughout the season, you know, they've they've entered a lot of these fourth quarters in clutch scenarios and everybody has stepped up in the fourth quarter of each game. And the shot making in the fourth quarter has been off the charts. I mean, I, I – Definitely need to probably pull up like clutch time, actual team graphics to get some, you know, definitive, good, juicy stats to show you guys. But, um, you know, I mean, oh, no, oh, I thought you were oh, like getting a phone to like look up clutch time stats. <laughs> and I was like, oh, we can do it later. We don't have to do it right now. <laughs> but um, I'm eager. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> um, but no, yeah, um, that and that that's been a huge difference. I mean, guys have just been unfazed and, you know, like I've talked so much about this, it seems, you know, it's just so simplistic at face value, but I mean, just that overall mentality change, you know, in terms of guys wanting to be accountable, you know, towards each other, 
you know, that, that starts kind of at the top there with Grant Williams and that, that attitude and that, that vocal leadership that he's bringing to this team. Um, I mean, it's, it, they're just coming through in big moments. And I, I just love that about this team. Um, you know, I, I, you know, let's transition, I guess, to the negatives, you know, just so we don't harp on the positives too much, but uh, I at least wanted to, you know, talk about that one, one last time, unless you got anything else, you know, throughout these last two games. Yeah. I think we've seen, you know, not necessarily this team at its peak, but I think we've seen a good version of this team four games in uh, and, you know, I, fans should be excited. Uh, but you know, we're about to lessen the, the, not lessen the blow, uh, but we're about to feed it to y'all straight, uh, here in a second. So, um, you know, do we want to start real quick? No. Yeah. So, um, specifically in the, in the game last night, um, I I thought from a a defensive perspective, like I said, with both the Mavericks game versus the Grizzlies and the Bulls, that there were a lot of stuff to patch up from a perimeter defensive perspective. And, it's typically been in the first half of these games that the Mavericks have just looked uh, a little less desperate, uh, if you will, on, on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, I mean, I think that Luka Doncic, Grant Williams, honestly, have been fine. But, you know, in, in the case of, you know, Josh Green, um, you know, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, Dante Exum, I mean, a little bit here and there, you know, Seth Curry, Derek Jones Jr., you know, ma- mainly those four guys, four or five guys, whatever, the Mavericks – you know, primary point of attack defenders that, um, you know, are on this team. They, they've just been, in my opinion, allowing uh, a little bit too much space at the point of attack for uh, opposing guards to attack off of. And I, I almost feel like a lot of it, um, you know, stems from, you know, fear of getting beat because the Mavericks have, in, in my opinion, done honestly a pretty good job at, um you know, limiting uh, opponent's ability to drive and kick and just gets, you know, straight shots to the rim. Um, you know, when, you know, you do have um, an opposing center that is is putting a lot of pressure um, uh, on the rim, you know, I, I think that that makes it a little bit more uh, difficult because that takes a lot of Derek Lively's, um, you know, help ability away when he's having to focus on, you know, guarding a guy like Jaron Jackson Jr. Yeah. Um, so I, that's obviously um, – you know, there was a clear difference from this game to the Memphis game and, you know, Lively's ability to hype out and, or, you know, help out rather. Um, and, um, you know, come from that weak side to, to be a deterrent in scenarios uh, where, or Mavericks, you know, point of attack defenders got beat. Um, that helped a lot last night, especially since, um, you know, when, when going up against uh, Vucevic, um, you know, Vucevic obviously had a good rebounding game, but he didn't really have the best shooting game. Um, so, you know, when Chicago was, um, sort of picking apart lively and, you know, exposing him for, you know, him maybe over helping a couple of possessions and, you know, Vucevic was getting those open looks from three, you know, he, he wasn't really cashing and he may have made like one or two last night. Um, so that I, I think gave Derek some, some confidence to really be able to, to freelance a little bit more than he usually did. And, um, but, you know, to that, to that point, the Mavericks, you know, are not always going to have that. So, you know when they're they're getting beat to the degree that they are at the point of attack right now, uh, I, I think that they just need um, to, you know, inflict more pressure uh, specifically in the first half. Cause you know, like I said, I think they've been doing a good job at flipping the script in the second half, uh, really picking up the intensity from that perspective. But, you know, the Mavericks are, are obviously switching a lot more this year, but I've noticed in the first half of games, um, it almost seems like, you know, Jason Kidd is maybe, 
letting these guys ride it out one-on-one more. And then the second half, he, you know, once things get more serious, he diverts to, you know, more switch heavy scheme. Um, but, you know, these, these Mavericks point of attack defenders have got to be better at, you know, understanding uh, screen navigation. You know, a lot of these times, um, especially when they're getting, you know, wings set on them by, you know, by big opposing wings, um, you know, like a Patrick Williams or somebody like that. They did, you know, guys like Josh Green, Derek Jones Jr. Just got to be more stout at, you know, understanding it that sometimes, you know, they're going to need to, you know, chase over a screen and, and rely on that, that help from Lively to be able to, uh, you know, tag the roller if it's a pick and roll scenario, because they, they have allowed um, a lot of space on the perimeter, um, you know, for guys to be able to just, you know, shoot over the top of them, you know, guys like Zach Levine, you know, when you have a guy on the opposing team that's able to just, um, you know, literally uh, come off a, a, a down screen, um, you know, or a, uh, you know, screen from a trailer when, when he's bringing the ball up the court and literally just shoot it. Um, you, you've had to stay attached at the hip at all times and, and just operate, you know, a little bit more closer. Um, and, you know, even guys that are defending off ball, um, I've been kind of sagging off the shooters a little bit in these first half. So the Mavericks have definitely, I thought in both of these games kind of, um, you know, bear some of the residual effects of that. And you saw in that Grizzlies game with how Desmond Bain and Marcus shot really, you know, Marcus smart really, uh, you know, were sh- uh, shooting the ball in that first half. Um, you know, how, how that was uh, something that, you know, was, you know, a point of emphasis for the Mavericks to, to change in the, in the second half. So, you know, I think that's something that they have the personnel to be able to patch up. You know, I, I do think the Mavericks, you know, still are maybe a little bit more point of attack defense uh, help away from, you know, being into that realm of, you know, me not saying that they, they don't have like any holes on the roster, uh, which, you know, which in my sort of uh, microscopic view, you know, means that you're a contender uh, when, you know, you don't have any, you know, any like really definitive holes throughout your, you know, eight, 10 man rotation, um, you know, that, that aren't more than, you know, just, you know, minute things that happen. Right. Um, but, you know, they may be a little bit of a ways away from that, but I do think that they have the personnel to, to just guard the perimeter a little bit better than they have throughout the first few games. So that, that was my main thing. Um, obviously, you know, things are going to fluctuate when Derek Lively, um, you know, is or isn't in the game, but, you know, based off of that, you know, I, I, I want to, you know, talk about how I think, you know, I, you know, Dante Exum, because of this reason, I think should get a little bit more playing time and, you know, he hasn't got the much, the most playing time right now, but, you know, with, with Luca playing 40 minutes, I mean, I, I just don't understand, especially in a game like that, you know, why Exum, you know, he, he hasn't really got the opportunity in my opinion to, to showcase his, his ball handling ability uh, and his playmaking ability um, in a half court setting as much as, you know, I would have liked, but, you know, conversely, he also adds so much on the other side of the ball too. Uh, from a defensive standpoint, every time he's in, you know, he's constantly app- applying pressure, you know, 94 feet. He's honestly one of the more proactive defenders on the team. You know, I, I would just like to see that a little bit more um, in, in my humble opinion. Um, but other than that, um, I don't have like too many, you know, complaints through these games. Uh, but, you know, that was just my main thing because uh, the, the perimeter defensive woes have um I think, if anything, you know, been the only sort of highlight of concern for most fans. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, to touch up on your point a little bit, and I, I 100% agree. Um, you know, I think that <clears throat> headed into this season, like the only two point of attack defender or, you know, true point of attack defenders the Mavericks had were Josh Green and Dante Exum. I don't want to speak on Exum because, again, I just don't feel like we've seen enough, but Josh Green has been relatively disappointing to start the season, especially on the defensive end. 
Um, and you know, I'm not trying to. But he's. I think uh, he's like been doing good when the when the game tightens up and yeah, like, whenever it means moments, more. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think the whole defense. It, it's it's not. It's, yeah, but yeah. it's not really even necessarily an effort thing. I I just feel like he is just being way too reactive like he was, you know, in those, those sort of rookie seasons where, um, you know, I, I don't know if it was because in the FIBA world cup, you know, he was able to maybe, you know, sort of freelance and make some plays that he typically wouldn't be able to make in the NBA uh, just in terms of, you know, how much more athletic he was and a lot of the competition he was facing off against. Um, but, you know, he, he's taking some gambles, especially in terms of trying to pick some, uh, you know, passes away that he, he hasn't been able to always get to. And it's, it, you know, those gambles, obviously, you know, while they may pay dividends, sometimes if he's not smart about them, he's not staying, you know, attached at the hip, um, you know, throughout a whole possession, you know, when he's guarding a guy like a DeMar DeRozan or a Zach Levine, you know, that that's that's going to end up hurting him. And, you know, they they switched him on to DeRozan and Levine a lot more in that second half. And I thought he did a much better job, you know, specifically in that fourth quarter at defending. But, you know, you know, like you said, he has been, you know, defense um, has honestly, you know, amidst his sort of um in aggressive nature that he's kind of played with on offense, you know, compared to what we may have expected. Uh, his defense has honestly probably been maybe uh, the the softest spot of discussion um, because, you know, offensively, I wouldn't really necessarily say he's, he's doing anything, you know, bad. He's just not, you know, maybe um, creating at the volume that we'd like him to um, or shooting at the volume that we'd like him to, but, you know, we, we just need to see him, you know, get that, um, that defensive awareness back a little bit more and you know like I said it doesn't even look like an effort thing it, it does almost look like it's all um you know just understanding um you know the the Mavericks scheme you know from a switching perspective and also um you know making sure that even in those off-ball scenarios um you know you're not over relying on athleticism um to to stick with a guy yeah, absolutely. I, I 100% agree. But, you know, to touch upon it just a little bit more, I think, you know, whenever the Mavericks, you know, play an elite duo like Jamal Murray and like Nikola Jokic, this is going to be something that will probably get exposed uh, for the first time because the Mavericks haven't played, you know, an elite point guard uh, or even elite center at that point, you know, or offensive center. I think Jaron Jackson is an elite center, but not on offense uh, or, you know, it's average. But no, um, it's, I mean, he's, he's good. He's good. He's just yeah. not. He's, he's not he's that. Not he's Jokic. not Jokic. Yeah, yeah. He's, not, he's not an offensive superstar. That's what. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. It, yeah. yeah. Um. But you know, to my point, I think that you know that sort of, um, point of attack defense is going to be something that's going to get exposed on Friday night whenever they do play the Nuggets because again, you know, that high screen pick and roll that Jokic and Jamal Murray run so often. It's going to expose so many so many defensive lapses. It's going to put a lot of defensive pressure on Derek Lively, whoever the center is at that time. Um, it's going to put a lot of pressure on them, and it's going to put a lot of pressure on the defense to collapse, and it's going to create a lot of open shots for the Denver Nuggets. Um, you know, that's probably looking too far into the future, but, uh, you know, yeah, just from what really. we can see, like, it, that's probably going to be a problem that the Mavericks are going to have defensively. Um, and that's not been a problem we've seen all, through these first four games. So, um, but I wanted to touch up just a little bit on offense. I know you kind of spoke up on defense. Figure I'd touch up on offense. I just, you know, it's not necessarily anything in particular. I think it's because it's the beginning of the season. You know, shots are going up at a high rate, so I can't complain about shot making or anything like that. But this offense, I, I will say at times, it, it's not even necessarily whenever Luka Doncic is on the on the bench at all. Um, even you know at times whenever he's on the floor, uh, I just think that the offense gets a little bit too stagnant. I'm not saying that this is going to be something that plagues the Mavericks. You know, 48 games into the season, I just think that this is a early season. Uh, sort of hamper that they need to hash out and you know it, it's probably going to be important 
that they hash it out soon rather than later because the schedule is going to get only diff- more difficult as we go on. Um, but, you know, it's going to be something to see against, you know, an elite defense like Denver or more elite defense than, you know, we have seen so far. Um, it's going to be, you know, important to see, you know, how exactly that process goes, um, you know, from top to bottom for, you know, all the guys that are playing uh, from, you know, even if you're from Doncic to, you know, even Derek Lively, it's going to be important to see what that process is. So um, I would say that's probably my biggest gripe with offense so far. You know, thankfully the off, the shots are falling. You know, I feel like through 20 games last season, you know, granted it was a much different personnel. There's a lot more stagnant, stagnant offense uh, and shots weren't falling at an elite rate, unless if you were Luka Doncic. So I, I, you know, can't complain too much, but if I had one gripe, it would be that. No. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you look at a lot of these teams that the Mavericks have been playing. Um, they obviously, uh, a lot of them have some pretty elite defensive players. I mean, especially that Nets team that we saw, yeah. uh, but you know, none of, they haven't really faced anybody that has had a complete defensive lineup. And, you know, even in that next game, obviously Claxton was out. So they didn't have, you know, that centerpiece that ties up, you know, everything together with all those, you know, all those three and D wings that are, um, you know, anytime that they they do get beat, you know, Claxton there to save them. And then they didn't have that in that game. Right. Uh, so that a lot, a lot more opportunities for the Mavericks at the rim. You know, we can't take that for granted. The Mavericks obviously haven't had the, you know, biggest degree, you know, strength of schedule the, the last uh, four games, you know, that's not me taking away anything from their four and no start. It's hugely important. And, you know, for the Mavericks to be able to take care of business against these bad teams um, and, and win these type of games um, is a, you know, is a huge difference compared to last year. Um, and it's something that is obviously, you know, vastly important right now, um, you know, especially, you know, when one of one of Luca or Kyrie is hurt, um, you know, for them to still be able to to overcome that um, is, is going to be a huge sticking point because that's going to be the the difference, um, you know, when when we talk about the standings in a, in a pretty loaded Western Conference this year. Um, but I mean, obviously, you know, the Mavericks are playing against, you know, pretty good a very good point of attack defender last night, you know, and Caruso off the bench. But you look across that both starting lineup and they only got like one really solid defensive player, Patrick Williams. And he, and he basically got played off the court last night because he couldn't shoot the ball yeah. at all. Um, it's I mean, yeah, him and him and him and Kobe white, you know, they, they were getting to their spots and they were had a lot of open looks and they were just not converting whatsoever. And I mean, you know, that's the thing, like Dallas, obviously, you know, is getting away with some of this stuff because, you know, they played against some opponents who, um, you know, don't have that that tertiary, you know, shot creation element from some of their role players may not be as as deep. Um, and you know, they've they haven't really, you know, played against a, a team necessarily with a superstar yet either. They played against some, some really good offensive players, obviously, but not, you know, not just you know guaranteed all star starters. You know, that are going to change the you know trajectory of every game they play in just based on you know their presence. So, um, that obviously, you know. A lot of that stuff is is concerning and, you know, we, we just, I just don't want us to overlook, you know, some of the deficiencies of this team if it's their 4-0 start, but that's not to take away from what the Mavericks are doing. We're, we're still very happy that they are where they are, obviously. Like this is huge for them to start off 4-0. I mean, it's exactly how you want to get off at the gates. You know, we'll see if it um, ends up ending on, um, you know, Friday night with Denver, you know, or we're going to play in Denver. But obviously, you know, they lost their first game of the season, so they'll they'll be hungry to to bounce back. They've looked like one of the best teams in the NBA early on. And, you know, there'll be a real test uh, for a team that has not, you know, got a lot of, um, you know, games against a, a very loaded defense 
um, from top to bottom, you know, really besides Jokic, um, you know, they're, they're full. Uh, I guess Michael rota- Porter Jr., but. Even yeah, he's even he's, 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 he's yeah. took a pretty good yeah. big step, I think, defensively. They thought they've talked about that in the, the low post and some other podcasts. But if you listen to some of the national some national guys, Michael Porter Jr. is starting to become like legit defensively, even though offensively, I mean, he is who he is. So, um, you know, that obviously, you know, a lot of different things to be concerned about from that perspective. But conversely, like we can only worry about the present and what the Mavericks have done. And, you know, they're they're giving us a lot of good stuff to to work off of right now. That's not to say that they don't have holes in this team and, you know, that this is a complete finished product by the end of the season. Um, but, you know, the fact that they're taking care of business, you know, right now against opponents that, that they're able to, especially in games, you know, where all these adverse scenarios present them or adverse uh, factors present themselves, like, you know, Luca um, having a complete off game, Kyrie being out, you know, just finding ways to win. Um, you know, even if it does take, you know, making 20 out of 48 three-point shots, you know, that, that, that's, that's how you take care of business. And look, the Mavericks could come into tomorrow against Denver and, you know, just nothing that they, they did against Chicago ends up working out. And, you know, you know, we come up here on this podcast and, you know, essentially say, I told you so, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) But, you know, well, that's a very real scenario. You know, that that's not going to be as concerning going forward if they're able to take care of business against these bad teams, you know, regardless of how, how much, you know, they're, they're losing to some of the, you know, the top echelon, you know, sort of teams in the Western Eastern conference, you know, they only play those teams, you know, every so often in comparison to everybody else. So if they're able to, you know, you know, keep getting victories against these mid-tier opponents on a consistent basis, as well as, you know, the, these lesser opponents, um, you know, play, play a hedge above, take the regular season seriously, that that's going to pay huge dividends. I'm not saying they weren't doing that last year. I think obviously a lot of their um, uh, sort of downfalls had to, to do with personnel, but um you know, they, they definitely uh, could have swung a few more wins their way um, if they literally just hadn't had other mental yeah. breakdowns in a lot of the games. Um, so, you know, that that's a big thing that I've been impressed with the, the first four, uh, first few games. And before we end the podcast, I'm going to touch up on a couple guys we just haven't really got to. Um, we're done, done with the gripes and stuff. But obviously, we didn't really talk about too much. But, you know, Dwight Powell played a crucial role in that Grizzlies game against Jaron Jackson Jr. with lively and foul trouble. I mean, that was one of the main reasons the Mavericks would have sticked in the, you know, sticked in the game. Jaron Jackson Jr. at 30, but, I mean, he honestly could have had more if Dwight, you know, didn't have four blocks on him, played great, you know, individual defense. You know, his defense to start the season has been great. I, I don't know where it's coming from, you know, on, on all fronts, you know, not just from really a team defense perspective. You know, he is playing great one-on-one defense. Um, but, you know, he, he didn't really get the opportunity to play – uh, near as much last night. Uh, I just think that Vucevic's size and and back to the basket game and ability to stretch the floor just kind of, um, you know, especially his post game too, and that that advantage versus Powell definitely just um, diminishes um, you know potential effect he could have in the game because he just doesn't have the length to be able to contest some of those uh, shots. But you know, he he came in, still made some free throws. You know, was was serviceable as a role man last night. Um, played good defense when he was in, and you know, Jaden Hardy. Uh, with Kyrie out, you know, he's still kind of getting his footing coming coming back from injury, but he's got the chance to play the last two games. You know, is is he going to be the guy to step up and, um, you know, provide that that sort of tertiary creation off the bench and, you know, be that point of attack defender? You know, we, you know, only time will tell, but, you know, his overall processes look good. He, he made some big threes, got a little bit of a run the fourth quarter last night, got just, you know, played better than the Grizzlies game for sure, where he 
definitely, it definitely kind of just looked like he was, you know, more so just getting back into swing of things, being out in the NBA, being out in NBA court. Uh, but, you know, made a couple, made a three last night and, you know, just looked really, really smooth, a lot, a lot more under control, I think, than the, uh, the other night versus the Grizzlies. So that was really encouraging. It's great to see him back up out there after, you know, he didn't get a chance to play the first couple games. And, um, you know, I, I think two evolving, you know, sort of storylines, you know, going forward, um, you know, are going to be, especially as we head into this game, you know, versus Denver, or obviously how much, you know, Derek Lively is just going to be able to survive against Jokic um, before, you know, the Mavericks have to come up with some other sort of defensive scheme if he just can't handle it. Um, and then on on top of that, where are the Mavericks going to get that extra jolt of, you know, tertiary creation and, and point of attack defense off the bench, you know, between Hardy, you know, Curry, Exum, you know, Tim Hardaway, you know, even in the starting lineup, you know, Josh, where, where is that going to come from? And is Jason Kidd um, going to, you know, start trusting the bench a little bit more to, to handle some of those responsibilities? I think that those are some of the evolving uh, narratives going forward. But other than that, I don't I don't really have much else going forward. I know we'll touch up on Maxi's injury here in a second, but um, that's really all I got. Yeah, honestly, I think that we pretty much hit the nail on the head. You want to talk um, about Maxi's injury? Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly not – Sure. Like, do you like? So, I honestly yeah. don't really know what happened. I'm gonna so in, in the first quarter of uh, last night's game, um, okay. I believe, um, if I remember correctly, Maxi um, was going up for uh, a defensive rebound. Um, I, I don't know if he ended up tipping it or what happened, or he was going up for a contest. It was it was something where he was either, you know, in that sort of scenario. But he was in midair, um, and um, you know, when he came down, um, he made lower body lower body contact with somebody on the bulls. I, I think maybe like Vucevic or somebody, um, it might've even been Drummond. I can't remember. I know Drummond, uh, got a pretty nasty lick on Exum or a oh, yeah. pretty elbow, a pretty mm-hmm. good elbow on him. Um, no, it's Tim. Tim. It's Tim. Tim. Exum yeah. got hit the game before. Yeah. Yeah. Coming. yeah. No, but Tim, yeah. Tim's been the Dwight Powell of this team so far. Yeah, but, the Dwight Powell hasn't been hit. Tim's been doing a great job taking yeah. charges. I mean, you know, while, you know, he has been, you know, sort of part of that group that has been sagging off a little bit too much in terms of their, you know, off-ball perimeter defense. I mean, you know, any time that he's having to rotate over as the help guy, when he's in position, he's, you know, he's staying constant with the theme of being one of the, the charge leaders at the end of every season. I mean, he's just doing a good job. Uh, he's just applying a little bit more pressure on ball this season. I mean, definitely the best he's played um, defensively, I think, at this point of his career. I can, I can confidently say right now, at least, I don't know, this could very well change. Four games in, yeah. Before four games in, I, I, I would say Tim Hardaway Jr. at least gets the label of average defender. Oh. I think, I th- he's, he's no longer a negative Jaren. I, I, I think know, the I way don't he's know playing right Jaren. now. I don't know if I'll go I mean, yeah. I think the way that we, they've been using him, too, like, you know, with Grant Williams and uh, Derek Jones Jr. more, that, you know, they're not having to stick him on those, um, you know, like 6'6 six, six plus wings all the time. You know, he's getting a chance to defend him a little bit more at the point of attack, which I think he is better at. Um, you know, defending, you know, those, you know, shooting guards, you know, guys that are essentially like him, you know, when, when you start to start to put Tim in situations where he's defending a guy that's too big or too small for him, that's, that's where things get shaky, but you know, um, I, he, been, he has looked great yeah. um, for Tim Hardaway, junior I, defense. I, I'm just saying through he's looked really good. Yes. Yes. I, I'd say least average. I would say he was average um, three out of the four games. I, you know, I, I think he, I don't even know what I would consider the net negative game, but I think that he's looked pretty solid defensively. So I, I'm not going to take anything away. That, that Brooklyn game, he was a little. Yeah, I think he was yeah, probably, yeah. Yeah, probably that Brooklyn game. I, that's why I'm not going to take anything away from him, but I think that he's looked pretty good. No, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah, no, uh, but like we talked about, um, you know, there's still some, you know, questions in terms of the rotation um, going forward. 
Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll see how uh, that ends up all playing out the back half. But lastly, with, with Maxie's injury, you know, like I said, he, he came down um, wrong on that uh, foot um, after that defensive rebounder. I can't remember if he was trying to contest a shot. I honestly would need to go back. This is bad journalism on my part by not knowing exactly what happened. But of course it was in the first quarter. He exited the game, did not return. I don't know if they ran an MRI or what back there, um, but there was no other official press release by the Mavericks or the Mavericks PR in regard to his status. Other than that, he was obviously officially ruled out for the rest of the game. Um, and Fairly quickly though. Yeah. It's a, so and, and, it's a, yeah. and it's a, I believe a left foot injury. So, um, it almost looked like he got hit on like his lower leg groin area at first, but, and, uh, you know, he hit the, uh, you know, he hit the, uh, exit tunnel with his hand on the way out. So he, he seemed pretty pissed off. So we'll see what, it, you know, the official diagnosis of it is, you know, once we get an injury report, once practice, you know, uh, unravels and what have you, but definitely not good at first glance. Maxi, you know, in that Grizzlies game, you know, didn't really, uh, you know, we touched upon him a little bit, but he only got like four minutes tonight. Um, but like we said, you know, I thought he did play a little bit better in that Grizzlies game. Um, you know, he's looked fairly okay from a rebounding kind of you know, interior defense perspective, but he's been getting beat off the dribble a lot this year, and he has not looked the most confident offensively. He's had a few really wonky possessions offensively. I remember that Bulls game last night, even when he was in there for that four minutes, he had like one attempt where he he drove in on the lane. I believe it was on like Patrick Williams and took like a fall away, spin away jump shot, like 10 feet away that was just kind exactly. of an atrocity. Yeah. yeah. Um so even uh, Derek Harper commented on it. Yeah, you know. yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. So uh, there, there's just been uh, he's got to get his footing underneath himself, you know, offensively. And, you know, it starts with just being able to get some easy stuff, you know, being, you know, an actual threat in the pick and roll a little bit, you know, using that to open up, uh, you know, his, his three point shot. But, you know, his athleticism is just kind of not really looked there early on. So intriguing to see how that kind of goes going forward. But, you know, we'll, we'll have you plugged in on updates in regards to his injury. Status obviously, you know, was was great to see Derek Lively get that opportunity last night and it opened up the door for him. Otherwise, you know, I think Jason K would have rode Maxi definitely a lot harder than than um you know letting you know Lively you know just get thirty three minutes like that. Yeah. Um. But as you know, especially you know with how Andre Drummond was, you know, he was playing really good against Lively. I thought too. So you know that's that's going to be interesting going forward. But um, you know, we it also might you know bode credence to the fact that Lively could uh you know really be able to harness this opportunity going forward absolutely um yeah. and, and you know really definitively you know start getting 30 plus minutes on a nightly basis you know showcase that he is you know far and ahead away the mavericks you know best starting center but you know that that's he, he's gonna have to prove that against better opponents and you know he's had a great he's had great three out of four games in dallas but you know friday night is a, a huge test that and, is a very huge you know test. um it'd be interesting to see if the mavericks you know try to go small a little bit, maybe throw Markeith Morris in there, have him play the five a little bit, maybe throw Rashawn Holmes in there, uh, get some minutes. Like I, I'm just, you know, intrigued to see if they, you know, you know, even bring in Omax, just get more size out there on the perimeter, um, you know, and at least, you know, try to overcompensate with their, their size on the perimeter and down low if they do have to play small ball um, at all going forward. But, you know, they, they really only have uh, two bigs if they're not going to play Holmes right now with, with Lively and Powell, if Maxie's going to be out. So, uh, that definitely, you know, creates an intriguing dynamic uh, going forward as far as minutes distribution, as far as minutes distribution go. But, you know, I'm, I'm really excited for the opportunity Lively has to to harness this. And um, I mean, uh, definitely, I, I think the most highly touted, most highly anticipated matchup uh, of this Maverick season, you know, being 4-0 and, and Denver's, I believe, 3-1, three three one, one, yeah. you know, and going against, uh, 
you know, the obviously incumbent NBA champions, uh, biggest test the Mavericks have had it. You know, they've not, I, I wouldn't say the Mavericks have really faced off against any like bad teams to start the season, but you know, just a lot of mid-tier opponents. So, you know, they, they have a huge test in terms of, you know, proving, um, you know, how legit this sort of start to the season. I'm not, not going to say that they're going to, you know, this game against Denver is a, you know, proof of legitimacy of how good this Mavericks team is. Cause you know, it is just one game. It's the beginning of the season, but definitely we will, uh, will prove how, how much the Mavericks have their shit together to start the season. Absolutely. You know, to, to, yeah. to put it bluntly. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah. To put it bluntly, but uh, I mean, Derek Lively it draws the the biggest assignment of them all. Playing yeah, obviously, what I think is the best NBA player in the in I'm the not world. To interrupt you, but no. also, obviously, we also need to see if Kyrie's going to play. And uh, he was listed as questionable like yes. an hour ago, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, that's at least promising. I think he was what, listed as doubtful. What is your What is your amount of games that he misses to where you start getting concerned about his availability? Uh, I would say not this one, but Saturday. Uh, well, I guess he probably wouldn't even play the second out of back back. The game after that, I don't know if they play. Yeah, if he was in this um, five games in a row, five games in a row, I'd be a little. Concerned, I, I'd be but... like, okay, like where are we going with this? But yeah, um, but obviously, you know, it, if it is a legit injury, I hope he you know recovers and everything like that. But um, you know, other than that, just really looking forward to tomorrow night. We'll be we'll be back, um, hopefully after tomorrow night. But you know, if we do need to do a podcast after the back and back to back instead. Uh, that might be a situation that presents itself because Jaren and I do have, uh, you know, somewhat hectic schedules um, on the weekend and, you know, back-to-backs are, you know, usually only our legitimate excuse to actually yeah, have do to two and one. do a yeah. two and one <laughs> podcast. We hopefully don't have to do this going forward, but um, we, you know, like we said, guys, we, we went to the Mavericks game in San Antonio and that definitely just kind of threw our, our sort of uh, schedule into a blunder, but, but we've got it situated now. So, uh, we uh, we appreciate you guys listening this far in the episode. If you have, um, you know, we appreciate all the support we get from you guys on, you know, any listening platform that you're listening on, whether it's Apple Podcasts or Spotify, make sure to give us a five-star review um, and uh, subscribe to, you know, our episodes uh, so you can get our, or subscribe to our page rather, so you can get, um, you know, notifications whenever we post a new episode, turn on those uh, post notifications, for whatever listening platform you're on. Um, and, uh, if you're listening on YouTube, you're what you're watching us right now. Uh, we really appreciate it. Make sure to, uh, like, um, and uh, subscribe, of course, to the page. We're almost at a hundred subscri- subscribers yeah, from like eight away. Gonna, so. What are we going to do for the hundred subscriber special? Um, we'll, we'll figure that out. We'll figure it out. <laughs> comment down below what we should do for the yeah, 100 subscriber go. special. That's going to be the comment. That was, yeah. yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> I tied them in right there. So anyways, do that and, um, make sure to check out Jaren and I's work over at the smokingcuban.com where we post, all of our Dallas Mavericks related articles because that's know, where we actually have post-game content. Yeah, right there. That's where we're like actually smart with the things we yeah. say too. <laughs> and here's just our, our uh, two hours of us rambling now, but actually go check that out. We would really appreciate um, that. We do a lot of hard work over there, uh, getting content to you guys on, on all of our different, um, you know, sort of forums. And of course uh, we've been doing our, our game casts um, with pro sports fans that we recently just started with our man, Grayson Gradkey. Um, you know, handling the the Mavs media cast over there, and we're we're really trying, you know, trying to uh, promote it. Um, it's called the Lucky Lucky Number Seventy Seven um, show, and we know we're going to do a couple, you know, shows during the week, just based off, you know, for Lucky Number Seventy Seven, like midday shows. And you guys have the opportunity to come into a live stream setting with us and interact. And we're going to be doing, you know, shows during the games to where you guys can watch the game with us. We we've, we've done that already had some complications because they've been during the Ranger game. So we probably didn't get as, as 
really any of an audience yeah, compared to what we could. And uh, we've also um, had some complications just in terms of the whole setup. But going forward, we should be straight. So please check out all that. We also, you know, periodically do a couple pre and post game shows every week with that as time allows because we already, you know, are are very busy with the podcast and writing. So, you know, we we we're doing as much as we can, but you know, we're gonna really try to to kick off that thing. Um, we haven't got to um, really take it off as much as we'd like because we you know we just started it. But please go check that out. Um, pro sports fans, lucky number seventy seven podcast. Search up the pro sports fans uh, app. It's available on iOS and Android platforms. Um, currently, there isn't a website, but as long as you guys can find the app, you can see everything we're doing there. We'll yep. promote it on Twitter, of course, when we have any of those live shows. So stay tuned to the podcast Twitter at mainstream two one four. My Twitter at will mill j. Uh, Jaren's Twitter at Jaren Boslow to get any updates on, uh, you know, any podcasts that are coming out or obviously any time that we're going to be streaming, doing any of those shows. So you guys can come interact with us and stream and talk to Mavericks with us because, you know, we we like doing the podcast. We like doing the articles, but you know, that's, that's really our only opportunity to be able to interact with you guys, um, you know, on a, on a real basis where we can actually talk to you guys. And it's not just, you know, Twitter fingers. So we, we would really appreciate if you guys check that out. And uh, other than that, fingers, actually. It was a good one. All right. Well, we're going to end the podcast right there. You have nothing. I have nothing to say today. All right. Um, well, this has been Will and Jaren with the Mainstream Mouse Podcast. Obviously, we appreciate you guys listening this far if you got here. And we will catch you guys in the next one.